help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. That's what we're about, and, and we do that. Uh, we strive to do that as we take Jesus's life as our pattern for life, and we, uh, we try to uh, be a, a tangible presence of grace in our communities and in our world. We hear and respond to the Word of God, and we prioritize being together, which is what uh, you have chosen to do here this morning, and, and we're glad that we get to do this together. Today, we continue in our series, A Healthy Look At, and in this series, we've been looking at uh, some of these topics and things that, um, that we struggle with in our daily life, and, and maybe our perceptions need, of these need to change, and we need to see them uh, maybe the way God desires for us to respond to them. I'd like to thank Matt for speaking last weekend and wa- walking us through this idea of our thoughts. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to listen to it uh, on our website, or you can go through the PCC app and listen to that. I I think you will be glad that you did. Uh, Today, I want to invite you to grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Grab your Bible, your app, uh, grab a blue Bible in front of you. If you're reaching for a blue Bible, Matthew 5 will be on or around page 684. Uh, that's where we're going to be. Put, put the scriptures in your hand this morning so that you can refer to them. also want to invite you to grab your sermon notes. There may be something that, that jumps out at you that you want to write down. Uh, here at PCC, we believe that regardless of where you are in your walk, God desires for you to take that next step of your faith and in your relationship with him. And to help all of us do that today, we're going to take a look at a topic that everyone is excited to look at and to talk about, yes. anger, Right? Anybody angry that we're talking? No, no, you don't have to answer that, right? Sociologists tell us that we live in the age of rage. Everyone seems to be angry about something. Children are angry, parents are angry, workers are angry, bosses are angry, Republicans are angry, Democrats are angry, independents are angry, and we're angry that they're angry, right? We're all just angry. Uh, Anger has been seen as, or can be seen as a disease that is really an epidemic, resulting in all sorts of internal and external negative consequences. According to health or to betterhealth.gov, anger creates anxiety, high blood pressure, headaches, creates fear, digestive problems, depression, and stroke. That's the kind of the top ones, right? Now, don't have to raise your hand if you're dealing with any of those because that might just make you mad that I'm asking you to raise your hand, right? All you have to do as well is just to turn on the news, right? And we see the results of anger, Incidents of road rage, assaults, school shootings, murder, and so much more. According to the website Social Solutions, an estimated 10 million people experience domestic violence each year in the United States alone. Anger causes relationships to fracture. It causes physical and emotional pain. It hinders our ability to be successful in our career, and it negatively impacts our walk with God. Dr. Richard Walter said, as believers, we need to see it for what it is. Anger is a national disaster. So what causes our anger? Often, uh, we have anger because we've been hurt, right? Maybe physically or emotionally, someone puts you down, embarrasses you, you feel rejected, you feel like no one listens, that no one cares, no one understands, which leads to frustration and anger. Anger can also be caused by those Murphy's Law days, Anybody had those recently? If it can go wrong, it does go wrong. Your plane is delayed, you spill your coffee, you can't find your car keys, the kids are running late, you pour your cereal and pour the milk over and the milk is sour, ah, right? Traffic is extra heavy and there's so many more things. 
just seems to go wrong. We, we get angry because of insecurities about ourselves. Our, our ego gets damaged. Our bosses or people in authority over us make decisions that we feel like they hurt us and they weren't fair. And often fear makes us angry. Often if we are afraid, we get angry at the same time. So, so maybe today you're here and you're like, hey, I really don't struggle with fear. Well, I wanna ask you, or with anger, I wanna ask you a few questions. Uh, there are lots of questions that people ask as you diagnose whether or not you are angry. So I just wanna ask you a few of these uh, to ask you to consider these things. First one, does my mood change when a certain person comes to mind? Now, why are so many of you smiling and nodding your head, right? See, here's the thing. For me, I would really like to say no, but the answer is yes. There's someone who, in, and it came up in a conversation Michelle and I were having with our good friends uh, just uh, not too long ago, and it was pointed out to me that I was not really as okay with this particular person as I thought I was, or as I need to be. So maybe I, I have an anger issue. Number two, do I have an urge to tell others how an individual has mistreated me? That's related to the first one, but, but slightly different, right? Do, do you have this urge just to, to talk about that person in order to justify your position on why you may feel the way you do and maybe why you're angry? Number three, does my personality change when I get behind the wheel of my car? <laughs> we live in New Jersey after all, right? Now, I don't know if it's just taken this long for me, but usually I can answer not, not really, but recently the answer's been yes, okay, for me. Something I rarely do is use the horn, right? I, I, I just don't, but I've used it twice in the last two weeks, so that's a lot for me. Now, some of you, I've ridden with some of you, you're just like, all the time, right? You think it's like the turn signal that you don't use, which anyway, that's a different, so anyway. Um, but, but it may be an indication that you're driving angry, that you have anger issues. Number four, are there circumstances in my life that are creating distance from God? Do you feel as though maybe God is treating you unfairly? That things are not going the way they should? And if God would just do something, then things would be better. Does, does anger cause you to shy away from God? Number five, do people avoid me because I am difficult, right? Do people not want to be around you? Are you finding uh, it easy in your life to point out the negative in, in each situation and and you share how the situation can always be better and how things should be different. And do you, do you share those thoughts and those opinions multiple times until either they do it your way or you get a reaction out of them? I mean, people treat you differently? So if you answered yes to any or all of these questions, then maybe you struggle with anger on some level. What's interesting is when you boil it down, there's really four different ways that people react when we are angry right? First, uh, some people explode. Don't raise your hand if you are that person or you know that person, but they, they just fly off the handle, right? They let it all out. They don't hold back. They're seen as aggressive. It's like they're attacking you. Often they say and do things that they maybe later regret, but it's too late because you cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? It's just out. Other people, they implode. They stuff and they suppress their feelings, Often people who implode feel guilty for feeling angry, struggle with self-doubt. They ignore the uh, emotional aspects of anger and the consequences on themselves. And often they blame themselves and not the other person for ultimately being angry. 
Some people inflict, but they inflict on themselves. They, they throw this pity party for themselves. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? And they hold in the anger. Uh, in some cases, this results in self-harm and destructive behaviors and depression. And still other people's people exploit others. They don't get mad, they get even, right? They manipulate the situation to get what they want. They look for ways to make other people upset. I read that the top things that people do is they move the person who they want to make mad, they move their car keys. Other top things include burning their toast, don't tell people information that they need to know, and seek to control each and every situation. Do you identify with any of those on how you deal with your anger? I do. You know, transparency time. I'm an imploding self-inflictor. That's what I do, all right? And I look at other people who are more explosive, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Shouldn't you handle things the way I handle things? Shouldn't you deal with your anger? You're just, you're losing control. And yeah, you always look at the way that you do it as the healthy way, right? That being said, it's not true. Often the way we process things are not the healthiest. And in my life, all you have to do is ask the people that are closest to me. I may not lash out, but that does not mean I don't struggle with anger. It's been said that, that anger has the potential to be the most dangerous of all the emotions. And in order for me, and I would argue that in order for you, in order for us to take that next step in our faith and our relationship with the Lord, we need to take a healthy look at anger. Matthew chapter 5, we find the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as you read through uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you were to do that, Jesus in his sermon, he says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. That's kind of the recurring theme. You see, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were placing this emphasis on the external laws, the commands of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there are some 613 commands that you are to follow. 365 of those are thou shalt nots, and 248 are thou shalt shouts. And the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were devoted to these laws and these commands. They had this external righteousness that was unmatched by other people, and they wanted other people to do two things. One, to know that they were righteous, and two, to be like them. But then Jesus comes along, and he changes things. We see that in his teachings, he's not doing away with the, with the law and those commands. Rather, he's trying to give us a fuller understanding of why God made that law in the first place. In verse 21, which we'll read in just a second, Jesus is referring to Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, which says, thou shalt not murder, which is one of the Ten Commandments, right? At which point, when, when the Pharisees and the scribes heard that, you know what they would do? They would puff out their chest and they'd be like, yeah, I've got that. I'm obeying that law. But Jesus knows their heart. He knows that they are angry at him and with him. And he knows that they will, and we know from the gospel accounts that, that they will lead the charge to have Jesus arrested and crucified the point is, Jesus was not just concerned with the external, but with the internal as well. And Jesus is teaching the people, and us still today, what that means and what that looks like. So let's begin reading Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. So Jesus is upholding this idea of thou shalt not murder, right? But he's also showing the progression of what anger can do. Scholars point out that that Jesus is saying that even if you are only angry with someone, then you are still guilty before the court. And this is seen as what is referred to as a silent anger. It's that time that we have that anger inside us and it's the thoughts and that internal dialogue about that other person. We're angry, but we keep it inside and all the while it's building and it's growing and it has the tendency to to fester on our soul. Then Jesus says, don't say raka to anyone. Now, I'm gonna let everybody off the hook. Has anyone ever looked at someone and said raka? Right? Okay, we're good, right? Unless you translate what that means, and when you translate it, it says, uh, the word means empty-headed fool, and when you look at it, it's really an insult. And so have you ever insulted someone? Right? It's when our silent anger progresses to the point that we say something about or to someone else. We insult them, we put them down, we call them names. The most popular insults in politics right now are idiot, moron, nut, hack, troll, crazy, and snowflake. We say something negative about someone else because we're angry. And we allow that internal anger to grow into a verbal expression of anger. It starts out as a thought and then we verbalize it. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then our anger leads us to action. Jesus uses the progression by saying, you fool, right? The idea behind this is not only are you uh, having angry thoughts and maybe even saying some angry words, but your actions lead you to the point that you do not want to help that person. In fact, you may even strive to hinder that person and to make things difficult for them. And that is a form of hatred. It's because we're angry. Luke chapter six, verses 27 and 28 says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, Pray for those who mistreat you. Doesn't sound like anger, does it? Or if it does, it's a new definition of what anger is. When we allow our anger to cause us to act against someone, either actively or passively, it causes us to have a false view of ourselves and a skewed view of other people. One of the things anger does is it causes us to see the weakness of others while at the same time becoming blind to their strengths. Our focus becomes on what that other person is doing, what we would consider wrong, what's wrong in our eyes, and we fail to see the good in what they are doing. So we focus on the negative and the weakness, and we fail to see the positive and the strength. Now, the way this has played out for me in my life uh, not too long ago was in my relationship with Michelle. Like a lot of couples, we don't always go to bed at the same time, right? There's other things going on. And and so uh, if Michelle has gone upstairs to bed before I do, my approach is this. I enter the room as quietly as possible. I use the light on my phone, right? I go in and I gently close the bathroom door, brush my teeth, do my thing. And I try to slip into bed because I don't want to wake her up. I don't want to disturb her because I know she needs her rest, right? 
That's what any sane person should do. (laughs) Contrast that with I was tired, so I went to bed first, and Michelle comes in, and on goes the bathroom light. She closes the closet doors not quite as quietly or gently as I would anticipate. She's banging some hangers around. She's walking back and forth, and to top it all off, she's talking on the phone. And I'm laying there with a pillow over my head going, really? Right? I started to compare the way I get ready for bed with the way she does, right? My strengths, her weakness. My right, her wrong. And I was angry. But here's the truth of what has happened, right? Michelle had brought up the laundry basket that I told her I would bring up. She was finding a shirt that Kale needed for school the next day, and she was talking to one of our kids who was having a really bad day. But I was angry because I was tired, right? But when we take our perception of what should be, we set ourselves up to get really angry for no good reason. And it's amazing if we stop and really consider how many relationships have deteriorated because anger is not dealt with or it's not dealt with properly and in a healthy way. Frederick Butcher is quoted as saying, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that when you are wolfing down, that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. So what do we do with our anger? Well, in the text that Dylan led that we read together from Ephesians 4, it tells us what to do. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And this is one of those challenging verses of Scripture, uh, especially if you go back and look at it in the Greek, because in the Greek, it's written in the imperative clause. What does that mean? Well, basically, it means that it's a command. It's something we are commanded, we are told, this is what you must do in order not to grieve the Holy Spirit, as it said in verse 30, We need to get rid of those things. We need to get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and malice. We are to be kind and compassionate and we are to offer forgiveness to others. Simple, right? Well, not for me. (laughs) And I would guess if we're honest, not for you either. So, So how do we do it? How do we follow the command? Well, I want to give you some suggestions, all right? And you might want to write these down. You might just want to ignore them. That's entirely up to you. Whatever's not going to make you mad, right? First one is this. You need to own it. Be honest about how anger impacts you. Don't downplay it. Don't minimize it. Don't make it out to be no big deal. Own it. Be aware of those areas in your life in which you are, are vulnerable to being angry, Proverbs 14, seven says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Are you a person with a quick temper? 
Do you stuff it? Do you know what you do? Do you bite your lip and count to 10 or to 100? (laughs) Do you go for a walk? Do you go for a run? How do you process your anger? What do you do? Own it. Second, identify that which angers you and why. What makes you angry? Maybe you need to write it down so you can, part of owning it is writing it down. Tim Keller suggests that that we must get into the details of anger to understand its source. That when we find we are uh, getting angry, what emotions start to rise up and why? We have to stop and ask, what is this thing that is so important to me that I'm getting defensive? Why am I getting angry? Keller says this, if you ask that question, If you do this analysis, more often than not, you'll immediately be embarrassed because many, many times the thing you're defending is your ego, your pride, your self-esteem. Not always, but often. Often we get angry because we feel slighted because who are we really thinking about? Ourselves. We have an unhealthy view of ourself of our own worth, or of our own importance. We believe that, that things are unfair and that they're slanted against us. People treat us poorly for what we perceive as no good reason. Every once in a while, we may get angry over you know, the right things, but more often than not, it's our pride, it's our selfishness, it's our desire to be right, it's our desire to have control. Those are the things which cause us to become angry. Proverbs 18.8, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Number three, be selective where you vent your anger. Proverbs 29.11, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Use wisdom and seek trusted people when you need to vent your anger. Number four, don't hang around angry people. Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Anger is contagious, and if we're around it too much, we may, too, be prone to anger. When we get around angry people, we need to be especially careful uh, at times of our own physical, mental, and spiritual well-being as well. And, and here's, uh, I just want to be very clear. If you are fearful for your safety, then you need to bring in trusted advisors and you need to get yourself and others, the people for whom you are responsible, to a safe place. Then you can seek the best course of action to help that person who is struggling with their anger. Number five, be thankful. Realize and focus in on the positive things of life. And yes, there are things that were gonna cause us to get angry, but we have the choice as to whether or not we focus on those things or if we realize that there are good things happening as well. We just need to be thankful. So follow these five steps and your life will be free of anger. Yeah. If you know me, you know that I know that a five-step list may be helpful, but it's not the answer, right? This is not a plug-and-play situation where if you just follow these five, you know, right? No, this is not an infomercial. If we're really going to take a healthy look at our anger, though, we need to be honest and say a list like that, it may help. 
There's probably more. So what do we do? I think we have to ask the question as believers, is there any hope for us when it comes to this anger? Or do we just have to try harder and be better and you know, just be more diligent? Well, the good news is that there is hope and it's not some magic formula or five-step process or an overnight success story, but we do have hope. We have hope because of Jesus, because of God's love in our life, and because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, amen? We have hope because of Jesus. Look again at Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. What is that last phrase? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How do we do that when we get angry? I, I don't have the solution, okay? But for me, here's what I would suggest, that we call out to God we take our anger and we hold our anger with an open hand and we ask God to take it from us. That we surrender it to him. And as we struggle with all of these things, we put our hope and our trust in the fact that God is with us and he has given us the power to overcome our anger and to make it through. One thing that you might consider praying is Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God has given us the ability to be transformed from the inside out and it may take a while, right? As, uh, as this sign that I've seen, uh, you know, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. He's not finished with any of us. And as we surrender to God, there will be good times that you will, you'll handle your anger well. And there will be times when you will not. And when you handle it well, give thanks to God that he's working through you. And when you don't handle it well, ask for forgiveness, both from God and from the people who have, who have felt the effects of our anger. And then be thankful for grace. Be thankful for his love, for his mercy and his forgiveness. Every day, every moment of our life, we have the opportunity to retrain our hearts by surrendering them to God, to Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm convinced that often in life, we are hurt by people who are simply unaware that they are hurting us, that they don't do it on purpose, they're not intentional about it. Now, now sometimes that does happen, and, and that is the case, but but often it's not. And I realize it still hurts, but maybe through God's grace, we can extend grace. And we can offer forgiveness because we've been forgiven. As the saying goes, hurt people hurt people. So if you have someone in your life that is hurting you, maybe you do need to give distance to keep yourself safe, but, but maybe you need to, to try to figure out how to help the hurts that they've experienced so they too can find healing and forgiveness in their own life. And when we are hurt, I think it's a great time for us to reflect and ask the question, who am I hurting? And I'm not aware of it. Who is it in my life that I'm causing anger? Search me, oh God, and know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. God, 
not an easy subject, not a fun subject to talk about because it really reveals a lot of who we are.